Welcome to Last Thing Discussed, Benefits Talk for the Workplace, brought to you by The Standard. Did you know more than one in six working Americans are also unpaid caregivers balancing full or part-time work? This means they're assisting family members, relatives, or friends with activities of daily living and or other medical tasks. For one working mother of four, this was especially true when the pandemic made her already hectic life more challenging. Not only was she juggling the immediate need to support her kids with virtual learning, but had the added stress of caring for an ill father-in-law and an aging mother as well. She was forced to exhaust her PTO and take unpaid leave, creating a financial burden during an already challenging time for her family. Situations like hers are becoming more common in today's workplace, and programs like paid family and medical leave are becoming extremely important. We're sure the mom in our example would agree. Scenarios like this one and some helpful PFML administration tips for employers will be discussed in today's show. Welcome to the second episode of the new podcast series, Last Thing Discussed, Benefits Talk for the Workplace, brought to you by The Standard. I'm Carolyn McArdle, and this week we have some very special experts from The Standard. Senior Statutory Business Consultant Samantha Reed and Product Manager Jessica Bowler. Samantha has over 15 years of experience in absence management and disability, including statutory and paid family medical leave, or PFML. Jessica's primary focus is on developing new PFML offerings for numerous states and overseeing absence management while informing ongoing management of enforced statutory and PFML products. Today, they're here to talk all about paid family and medical leave preparedness. Jessica, I'm going to start with you. Okay. What exactly is PFML and why is PFML so important? So PFML stands for paid family medical leave. It includes paid leave for both the individual's own medical condition, as well as whether or not they want to care for a family and their needs, you know, like such as things as bonding or uh, taking care of a parent. You know, these laws are generally passed and implemented through state legislature. And so they're funded through employee and employer payroll taxes. Why it's really important, just kind of as a umbrella statement, is that Employees need to be able to focus on improving health of themselves as well as taking care of family while also having that financial security. And, you know, I think three of the main reasons that it's really important is that there's just an increased need for these things, you know, and then we've got a lot of high utilization. And then an important component is going to be, you know, competitive benefits package. And what about utilization statistics? So, you know, we saw in a national partnership for women and families that almost 15 million workers take FMLA, which is the Family and Medical Leave Act, which is unpaid each year. And so the most common reason that they're taking that is for their own health condition at roughly about 52%. And then the remaining half is for family care. 
So whether that's a new child, like we talked about, or family member with a serious health condition. And also, which is really promising, men are starting to use this benefit a lot more as well. And it's becoming a lot more expected as another example of, of how that utilization is increasing. Is there a certain number of days? Like, what are the rules on taking leave? You hear that statement, you know, for us that are not in your industry, we hear about it. But yeah. what are the rules on taking time like that? Well, it's fun that you asked that because there is no set standard um, truly in that each uh, and I mean, universal standard, I should say. Mm -hmm. Each state operates and functions differently. Typically, though, you're going to see an outline of, you know, hours worked or money that you need to earn within a certain time frame in order to be entitled to these benefits. And then generally what we're seeing is the most minimum amount of time that states are allotting for individuals to use is about 12 weeks. This has ranged up to about as high as 18, but roughly you're going to see about 12 to 18 weeks to use. And that really works for both opportunities. So for your own health condition, as well as to take care of another, you're going to be pulling from that same benefit pool throughout a benefit year. Okay. I want to talk about competitive benefits package along those lines with employees leaving their job, you know, especially post-pandemic. A lot of people making changes in their jobs, just realizing the job I had before, like it's not it's not fulfilling me. I'd like to make a change. It's a good time for a fresh start. Do you guys experience that a lot? Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, I mean, as we've seen with the great resignation, as they're calling it, you know, employees are really, really taking stock and evaluating, especially after these like last 18 you know months that have been pretty tumultuous mm -hmm. as to what's important to them. What are their priorities and really assessing and figuring out how does work play into that? And if work's not allocating and allowing for me to really take care of myself and my family, as well as prioritizing work together, they're willing to leave, right? And to find that as a part of a competitive benefit package. And, you know, in 2015, the Better Benefits survey by Care.com showed that two thirds of all employees would leave their job to have a better family and lifestyle benefits. And that was a handful of years mm -hmm. ago. So just think about how much more that could increase by now with, like I said, that great resignation taking place. And when you really drill it down, like when you guys are seeing this and you drill it down by demo, I was reading the other day, something like 83% of millennials say that they are willing to leave their job with, yeah. you know, a job that offers better family or lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And pretty soon millennials are going to make up 25% of the workforce. And then Gen X or, or sorry, Gen Z, you know, I think by 2030, I read that they're going to make up about 75% of the workforce. And this is another benefit that's really important to them as well. So it's only increasing in that popularity in terms of a benefits package where employees, of course, we want higher salaries, right? We're always searching for that. Mm -hmm. But the benefits package really makes that holistic and, and employees are willing to kind of forego some of that additional pay if they know that they've got a comprehensive family support tool that isn't going to put in jeopardy their career. Don't you feel like, though, especially now that paid family medical leave can be a really good leverage tool for employers to hire employees? I mean, it's almost like if it's a good enough package, it might be enticing for me to take a job or, you know, accept a job with a specific company. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, I think that it is becoming imperative to being an attractive employer is having that availability 
for employees that they can, like I said, you know, not put in jeopardy their career, especially for women. I mean, women are predominantly the ones that are leaving the workforce to take care of Mm -hmm. family needs. And if they don't have to compromise to their work and their career to be able to also take care of family, you're only going to be more of a, um, you know, attractive employer to that subset, which makes up over 52%, I think, roughly of the, the workforce. So why would you not want to try and make sure that you have packages that are going to be attractive? Yeah, well said. Samantha, I want to ask you, you know, kind of staying on this same topic, we were talking a minute ago about how or the reasons that people will take a family medical leave to tend to serious health conditions, family members, birth, adoption, things of that nature. But what do you think, Samantha, is driving this demand and what scenarios does it help with the most? I think that even though those life events that you are talking about are not new at all, the pandemic really highlighted the reason that people are taking off work, right? All of those reasons, care for your own health, care for a family member. Those were all things that really just suddenly became really forefront in everyone's lives. So not only is that top of mind, but like Jessica said, people are leaving their jobs if they don't have that, you know, paid eligibility to take that time off to care for themselves Mm -hmm. or, you know, for their family. So I think not only did the pandemic really just heighten that we are in desperate need of providing a paid family medical leave to employees, I think The pandemic also highlighted the fact that people care for different members of family, right? That the definition of what a family is continues to change. So I think, you know, having, you know, different definitions that they're able to take, you know, underpaid family medical leave also became kind of heightened during the pandemic because it's like, you know, I live here, but, you know, I have this my neighbor, she's like my grandma and now she's sick with COVID and, you know, I need to take care of her. Mm -hmm. So that isn't something that we would have typically thought about maybe pre-pandemic, but that's definitely, you know, if she doesn't have any other family to care for her, who's going to, who's going to be able to take time off work, you know, to, to do that for her. I think the other big piece of why it's so important is what we're calling the sandwich generation. So it's, you know, workers in their 30s and 40s who are not only caring for their own families, right? They're uh, maybe set in their careers, they've started their family, they have their children, but maybe now they have aging parents that they have to care for. So that generation has really probably spoken the loudest and the longest for PFML leave, right? They're like, I, yeah, I want to start a family, but I also want to be there for my parents. And I can't, like just said, I can't take a hit in my pay. I need mm-hmm. to be able to take time away from work, you know, do things for myself and my family, and then be able to give my all to, to work as well. Yeah. I mean, I and think- how many times have you both seen on social media of people that are picking up and moving across the country to take care of their parents because now they realize they can work remotely so they can live somewhere else, still do their job, take care of your parents. You're hoping that the salary follows. I mean, it's it's a lot, right? Jessica and I were actually talking about that on Friday, how we <laughs> both know people who have done that, who have either quit their jobs because they don't have that type of you know benefits offered to them that they can take this time. And so they're either moving to be able to take care and work and kind of tr- try to balance that or they're actually resigning, you know, from from their job. So I think 
they're kind of relooking at what's important to them and now saying, well, this affects me now. Maybe it didn't affect me before, but this affects me now. And so that also is kind of bringing a lot of awareness to PFML. Yeah. Hey, Jess, I realize I cut you off. I want you to say what you were going to say. You know, I, I was just, you know, in addition to what Samantha was just saying now, I think that it's really important to know that like employees have a lot of power, right? And so with that movement and that ability to decide what they want, right now is it's a really hard time for employers to find the talent that they want. And that puts a lot of a lot of power in an employee's hands. So they can move and they can make those decisions that really fit into their needs and what their priorities are. And employers really need to understand that, right? And the states need to understand that. And that's what is continuing to fuel this, you know, this push for PFML and things like that, that make it more attractive and more understanding to employees where they're like, if you, if we don't have this, I can find it elsewhere. Isn't that interesting how times have changed that back way back in the day, it was all about what you could do for your employer. But now there has been this shift and even more so in the past year and a half where it's like, no, employer, what can you do for me? Uh, It's very interesting how that's happened. I agree. I think that's awesome that that's happening because if you're feeling taken care of from your employer, you're able to give your employer your all, right? Mm -hmm. I'm able to balance this work life and I can, when I'm at work, I am at work. And then when I need to take time off, I can care for my family. So I think that's Mm -hmm. been a really great shift. And now we're actually seeing more studies that come out to kind of back that up, right? Like 22% of workers are balancing these needs. We've never been able to put a number to that before. And so I think just having that type of visibility to it makes employers again say, oh, I need to pay attention here in order to have a really engaged workforce. Mm -hmm. It's going to breed true loyalty too, right? You know, if if you feel that your company is invested in not only your career path, but as well as your personal and mental well-being, I mean, you're just going to breed that loyalty that that employees are going to ask, like they like employers used to of us back in the day, like, what can I do for you? Because you're doing this for me. And this is a mutual relationship. You know, it's I think we're really it's powerful that we're entering back into a space where or into a space maybe where it's a mutual relationship between an employee and employer where it's, it needs, we're understanding and acknowledging this needs to be mutually beneficial and that everyone needs to find a way to kind of serve their needs. And isn't it interesting how remote working or the term remote worker used to be not taboo, but it was so rare and it was for, you know, special employees got to work remotely from home or you had to ask permission. And I was just thinking like my personal schedule, I come in in the morning, I do a show. I go home. I have a mom that's older. So I go take care of her for a little bit, do a workout. Then I log back on. It's become this hybrid that, man, if this had been three, four years ago, people would have looked at me like, whoa, you're lucky that you get to do that. And now so many people are doing this. And I, I'm happy for people. If you can get your, if you can get the job done and your work life balance, you're happy with that. And your life is just better because of that schedule. Good for you. This is how it should be. So I have an actual funny personal story along that. So three, four years ago, I moved about an hour and a half away from the corporate office I had worked for 10 years. And I said, hey, can I work remotely? And they said, well, come in. I was supervising a team. They said, come in one day a week, make that drive. I said, no problem. You know, did it for, gosh, over a year and a half. 
everything seemed fine. And I got a call out of the blue that said, no, we need you to come back in the office. And I, okay, I don't understand this. Like had the whole conversation and I ended up resigning. I mean, a lot of the things that we're hearing right now, you know, and I ended up, you know, being able to work remotely even before the pandemic. So I just thought that was really interesting Mm -hmm. as now, as all this is unfolding, people are changing their mindset on that, that even three, four years, that was something that I came into, you know, so it was kind of funny. It is kind of crazy that it's only three or four years later and look at what a different world it is. And it makes you think like, what's it going to look like three or four years from now? Because I think just as you were just saying, this is recently, you know, this is all new. We're just starting mm-hmm. this evolution into this new sort of way of of working in the office and remote working and having um, different priorities, should we say, and balancing stuff. So it's very interesting as we're kind of making our way into this, as you had said, like, what is this going to look like even a year from now? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty solid question that I don't think anybody really has a solid answer to. This is a, a really fluid space that we're going to have to continue to pivot, I think, pretty consistently on how we approach things. But more or less, you know, I think that the overwhelming um, stance is that employees are, we were able to be productive in the environment that we were in mm-hmm. on top of that with a really difficult set of circumstances, right? And so when we're starting to remove those sets of circumstances, why are we trying to think that this isn't now maybe our new traditional model? And so, you know, understanding mm-hmm. that flexibility and and being able to provide that with new constraints, right? There's going to be some differences in needs towards like childcare. You know, it was, I was reading something earlier this morning that employers were more understanding of childcare needs kind of impacting people while working from home. But as childcare starts to open back up and those things start to normalize a bit, there's going to be some new, you know, kind of approaches that employers are going to have to evaluate and search in terms of your childcare really shouldn't be impacting your work from home now. We want to continue to enable that but how does this evolve, right? And um, into being where you're not distracted mm-hmm. from working from home. And there's an expectation that you don't have those distractions with working from home. And that's, again, another opportunity in space that programs like PFML come into play so that if you do absolutely have the need where you can't 100% focus while you're at home because you have a childcare need, that opportunity isn't available to you so that you can take that time and you can assess what you need while not having an impact to your pay. And your employer has a set understanding and expectations of how you're going to be engaging with that benefit. I don't know, Jess, I've loved seeing people's pets and kids and husbands. And I mean, you just, you have such a different work environment, right? It becomes more human. You don't Mm -hmm, leave mm -hmm. your families at home and just go to Mm -hmm. work and talk to your coworkers and then go home. Like everyone has lives and and we all have to do that balance. And so I've, I've kind of liked meeting everyone. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. Well, it's funny because I was reading in an article I read this morning, they were talking about how they're expecting that one of the new like norms that people are going to start trying to push for is being able to bring their pets to work if they're going to come back into the office. Because as we all know, we saw the pandemic, you know, empty out shelters, which was fantastic. But now these employees are like, I'm willing to leave my job or to move, you know, companies, if you're not going to let me like stay home, because I don't want to leave my animal or like, you know, bringing them mm-hmm. in. So it's like another interesting little dynamic to this. Sorry, that I, I thought was pretty funny with the, with the pet perspective. 
I had not heard that. That's the first I've heard about that, that there's going to be that push for that with bringing your pets. And I love that. I'm such an animal lover. So <laughs> I've been so worried about separation anxiety. You just right. made my day by telling me that this is actually <laughs> going to be, a, there's a push for this. That's great. Let's talk about challenges because with everything, right, come challenges. What are some of the biggest things that you think employers are faced with when it comes to challenges with offering PFML programs? Oh, you know, I think it's the multi-state employer has a lot of difficulty in terms of making sure that their entire population base is getting the same benefit packages. You're going to have, you know, there's only a handful of states right now that have these instituted PFML plans. And so you've got a, a handful, you know, maybe a handful of employees that are benefiting from this, whereas you've got a handful of employees that are really only maybe benefiting from sponsored plans that the employer has. So I think it's really being able mm -hmm. to sit down and evaluate in totality, like what are the packages that you're providing to employees that are in traditional states that don't have these benefits available to them? What are you providing to the others that do have these benefits that are required through the state? How are you making that really, you know, good for the, the collective? Mm -hmm. I think the, just the administration of these type of leaves is a huge challenge for employers you know, we talked about multi-state or, you know, now we're being able to pick up and move across country. So, you know, maybe their corporate office is in a state that doesn't have PFML. And so they've just heard it and not had to deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis. So now they've got people maybe all over the country and, and some might be eligible and some might not be. So I think just that administration packages of how, you know, maybe they have a, a paid family leave that they've you know, decided to have as a company leave, but now they have workers that are eligible mm -hmm. under a regulatory state plan. So how are they going to integrate that? And the standard actually did a, a pulse survey with DMEC just this year. And it's like 27% of employers don't know how these leaves are coordinating with each other. So that's, yeah. that's a big bunch of people that are kind of looking at it saying, okay, I, I don't know how these leave laws interact. And that's a <laughs> big challenge because yeah. as just mentioned in the beginning, they're all different, right? Their eligibility, their benefit percentage, everything's so different that you, mm -hmm. it's like you have to have this massive spreadsheet with the states and all the different requirements. Yeah. Think about that on the back end. Like they're just, they're trying to operate in a new world. And then you've got that on top of it. It just adds to the complexity of the whole situation. There's got to be so much, just the unknown that's going on behind the scenes and the scrambling has got to be so difficult. I like that word scramble. I, I mean, we've too. seen that where they, you know, employers are like, okay, now I have to pay attention because I actually have an employee who is asking for this time off work that they can take, right? They're eligible for it. It's their, you know, legal right to take this. And so they're, having to just try to grab all this information from wherever they can to figure out how they can maintain compliance mm -hmm. and, you know, offer this employee that leave. Do you guys have, just in your line of work, you probably know better than anybody, do you have any tips for employers on how to, how to manage this and all that, you know, the complex stuff that's going on behind the scenes? Just a couple of tips. So Samantha and I love this area. We have had probably too many conversations with each other about how we think employers could really benefit in approaching these. And, you know, one of them is creating a benefit guide. So, you know, just understanding and outlining, you know, your own internal policies, as well as what the states that you engage with, what those look like and how they interact and taking the time to just really 
comprehensively outline that for yourselves, which is something that's going to trickle down into helping your frontline managers understand how these leaves work, helping employees understand how these things work. And really just, like I said, breaking them down and making it easy to understand what the entitlement is for each because they're all so different. There's so many unique things. And all of these types of programs, you know, employer-sponsored benefits that, you know, that an employer has set up maybe to fill a gap, paid family medical leave instituted by a state, your short-term disability plans, they're all kind of solving the same problem, but a little bit differently. So really breaking down the structure of them in a guide for yourself is going to be pretty, pretty crucial. Well, and, you know, like in our line of work, I mean, partner with experts, people who live and breathe this every single day. Yeah. The regulations are, are changing daily as these new states are, are coming on and going live with PFML. So if you have a partner who's that's their full focus is to track these legislations, uh, you know, across multi-states also have, you know, compliance services if you go with a private plan. So just those type of things could be extremely helpful in kind of navigating this PFML space because then they can look at, you know, those overlapping benefits as just mm-hmm. said, or, you know, what regulations do you need to be aware of? So those experts are are a good tip to to keep in touch with. Yeah. I would agree. Utilize what they tell you. Yeah, in ho- both in-house and I think out as well, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jess. No, no, no. We were going to the same space. You know, I was just going to say like utilizing those resources and those tools from, you know, external, like if you were working with a carrier or a TPA, but also, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. got internal or external legal counsel that they they work with. So making sure that you're utilizing them to ask the questions, ask the basic questions of, how does this impact what I already have? Like, are we in conflict, you know, it, from an employer perspective and what our policies are with what we're now, you know, being pushed to engage in through a statutory program like PFML? You know, it's it's utilizing those experts that you already mm-hmm. use for everything else and just now engaging them in this space. And since you mentioned that, as a matter of fact, working with a carrier or a TPA, I know that there are other benefits when it comes to working. Let's touch on that for a minute. Just even from an administration standpoint, can you guys expand on some of those benefits? Yeah, I can. Um, The standard did an employer readiness study uh, last year in October, so a year ago already. And needing an ease of administration is like one of the top reasons that employers are wanting to work with a carrier. So we're seeing kind of a shift there in that study where, you know, 47% already had other benefits. So they're like, okay, we'll outsource our our PFML. There was like 42% that just didn't have the bandwidth anymore to take this on. You know, we're, we're seeing smaller HR departments. And so they said, I need to partner you know, not only because it's going to make my administration easier, I just don't have the staff, you know, to take on the complexity of mm-hmm. of PFML. And then 37%, like, we're not the experts. We lack the expertise to even play in this space, right? Mm-hmm. So I think those kind of top reasons right away are why employers are like, okay, we need to find a partner. And I think, at least for me and my HR background, I always think of the employee and, you know, it's a, it's a better employee experience for your employee to be able to contact, you know, your, your partner in this space and they can 
you know, get walked through the leave process or the disability process, how these leaves are interacting. It's kind of that one-stop shop instead of having to go to HR for this and then maybe call for, for this product. So if you're kind of looking holistically mm-hmm. at it and saying, okay, I don't have the bandwidth to do this. I lack the expertise. Let's get a partner in this space. And then that also is going to make the experience better for my employee Her for the most part outside of maybe pregnancy and bonding, they're out for a stressful reason, right? They've got their mm-hmm. own medical condition. They have a care of family. So why not look at this and say, let's provide this better employee experience through a carrier. And the respect that you get from the employee is crazy. Like by doing that and making sure that the employee knows you have their best interests at mind, the respect you get from that employee. I mean, it just totally changes their relationship with you. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that can't be um, understated, right? It's just, it's really going to increase their level of comfort as well too. If they're dealing with one place, they're dealing with them in an area that, you know, this is all we do as a carrier or a TPA and it's, it's our jam, right? Like this is what we're passionate about. We love doing this <laughs> stuff and we love making, you know, a difficult time to Samantha's point as easy as we can for someone. And that's, that's really our bottom line goal is to help people get that financial security when they're going through a really difficult time. I think it's interesting. We talked about earlier that, you know, people are leaving their jobs if they don't have this kind of job security for taking leaves. Well, it's kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, they can take this, but what about the experience, right? What, what's going to ease them in, you know, for these leaves as well? So it's kind of that whole circle there, right? You can give them the offerings, but then if they also had a good experience kind of in and out of the workplace or returning to the workplace by working with a carrier, you know, that's just another, another feather in the employee's cap. Do you guys have advice on how employers can keep up? I mean, you know, Samantha, you were talking a couple minutes ago about, you know, partner with the experts and, but just some more examples on how these employers can keep up because there's so much coming at them at once. You know, how do you handle it all? How do you stay relevant? As carriers, we we also, you know, utilize the state site. We join different legislative forums and conversations. So employers can do that as well. They can go directly to the state site for information. They can join, you know, industry expert sites or state PFML program sites. So they can also have all of those resources available to them as well. And one of the things Jessica and I keep talking about is, you know, get involved in these programs, you know, either with a state Mm -hmm. or with the federal level, you can join all of these conversations and, and let your voice be heard as an employer in this PFML space as to what you're hearing for employees. So I think all of those kind of avenues employers might not think about are, are available to them, but Carriers are using those. So I would encourage all employers to do it as well. That's great. Jess, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yeah. You guys are such a wealth of information. (laughs) I want to hear from both of you for sure on this because I feel like you have more and I want to hear it because it's good stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, we could definitely go for a while. (laughs) Well, you know, I think the number one thing to keep in mind is that while this can be overwhelming and it's a lot to deal with, it's not anything that you can't handle, right? Like this is just another part of your benefits review process now that you just really need to engage in and understand the impact that it has to your employees as well as your bottom line. But just keep in mind that you're 
you're evaluating this now as a part of normal practice, right? And it's really nothing you can't handle. It's just new. And all things that are new are a little scary at times. But as we're seeing these laws continue to evolve and grow, we're all going to become pretty old hat at this and understanding that you're also not alone and knowing that everyone else is still learning too should be a little bit more of a help uh, in that, you know, understanding of that you can do this, we can get through it together and that you're not really alone, you know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I think PFML is a positive. Yeah. I mean, right now we're talking about how administration is complex and kind of you have a workforce that's maybe leaving or, but if you think about it, PFML is actually a positive, right? It's, it's great for, an employee benefits perspective, you're able to have engaged workforce if they're able to kind of take the time they need. So I think it's, you know, a final thought is, is making it, you know, a positive. And as Jess said, it's going to become mm-hmm. more routine that this is a part of our life, right? We want that work life balance. So I think it's just really kind of flipping the mm-hmm. mentality around it and, and making sure that it's something positive being talked about in the workplace. Yeah, I agree. From a resource perspective, where can we send people? I'm sure you guys have resources that people can grab onto now if they wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you were asking Samantha about how you can keep up, your carrier like us, we have great resources on our site. We've got an interactive map that shows the United States and shows where these programs are active in, where they're not. Click on the state so you can get additional information and resources there. That's always already, you know, available to you. And we've got a great blog that our marketing department runs that also has, you know, links to, you know, our employer readiness and challenge studies and signing up for alerts and things like that, um, you know, throughout from not only from the standard, but other, you know, other bloggers, state sites is, is really going to be a good tool for some resourcing for you. You guys are fantastic. Oh, thank you. This was good. I really, really appreciate it. We made it. Yeah, we did. We made it. That's all the time we have today. I want to say a very big thank you to both Samantha and Jessica for giving us some insight into paid family and medical leave preparedness. And if you enjoyed listening to this week's episode, make sure to give us a follow, leave a review, and listen up for new episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite shows. I'm Carolyn McCardle, and this has been Last Thing Discussed, Benefits Talk for the Workplace from The Standard. Thank you for listening.